Support for this episode comes from Wild Goose Filling, featuring their new counter-pressure canning line, The Fusion. Pioneers in craft filling, Wild Goose Filling designs and builds precision canning and bottling lines for the unique needs of craft brewers. Engineered for reliability and backed by European customer service, Wild Goose Systems protect beverage flavour and maximise shelf life so consumers can enjoy your beer exactly as it was crafted. With canning and bottling systems that expand to faster speeds and options spanning from entry level to higher volume, Wild Goose offers a range of craft filling systems to support your brewery now and into the future. Wild Goose's new fusion counter-pressure canning system builds upon the Wild Goose reputation with patented fill technologies that deliver unparalleled versatility in an inline canning system. Ready to package beer, seltzer, soda, wine, and anything in between, this is the next generation of counter-pressure canning. Wild Goose Filling is your partner in quality canning and bottling, now with direct service and sales for the UK. To learn more about the right filling solution for your brewery's unique needs, visit www.wildgoosefilling.eu. We've all been there, right? You know, traveling the best part of three and a half thousand miles across the Atlantic to go and see one of your favorite musicians play live, all in the company of a stranger. Well, that's exactly what Rich White chose to do back in 2012. Flying from Syracuse in New York State to London, England, in order to see singer-songwriter Frank Turner play a triumphant set at the Capitol's Wembley Arena. In doing so, he would not only meet his future wife, but also find himself in a country he'd soon call home. And with a wealth of brewing experience under his belt, he's now ready to go out on his own with Werewolf Beer, a new brewery he's set to open in Camden, London, later this year. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. I'm Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. And I'm Velo Mitrovich. Travel, as they say, broadens the mind. For Rich White, the founder of Werewolf Beer, it did more than just that. I had just got my passport sorted because I sure as heck wasn't going to be one of those Americans that never travelled, White told us back in 2018. And as a big fan of Frank Turner, he really wanted to go to that Wembley show. So he went online and through the musician's message board, ordered to buy the drinks that night if anyone would show him around London. Thankfully, somebody took him up on that. That person was Laura. But such was her nature and her mutual love of good beer that she was the one that offered to buy the drinks and also show Rich all that was worth seeing in London. The weekend started with the gig and turned into a few days of getting trolleyed at the Euston Tap, going for a curry, enjoying a West End show and drinking themselves silly in Brewdog in Camden. Oh, and getting matching tattoos too. That tattoo fittingly combines the date the couple met and a UK pint symbol. At this point, it's probably not surprising to hear that Laura and Rich ended up getting married at a Frank Turner gig in the USA several years later. But that's a story for another day. It's nearly nine years to the day since that all-important gig. And in the time since, White has become part of London's brewing fabric. Carrying out a range of roles across the capital, White has also been the head brewer at London Brewing Co. However, in 2021, 
He's on the verge of realising his dream of opening up his own operation with Werewolf Beer, a new brewery and tap room in Camden, London. But as the saying goes, no pain, no gain. And White knows there's a lot of work to be done before finally opening those doors. The last few weeks have been uh, something. That, that's all I can say. Everything that I've planned and worked for over the last two years is coming to fruition, uh, but it's all at once, which is is exciting. But it's uh, yeah, it's a bit. Uh, what, what's the correct term? Uh, is it squeaky bum time? All hands on deck, and it's mostly just me. So it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff all at once. It's good things. It's getting the lease sorted on a location in Camden. It's getting funding sorted. It's getting approval from Camden Council for our premises license. It's it's a lot of really really big things. It's just it's just come all at once. So uh, yeah, uh, hopefully I won't fall asleep during the podcast. While White is currently spinning all kinds of plates, he has previous experience of working on major projects. I've done a lot of fairly big things before. With London Brewing, I had a big hand in getting things sorted as far as the expansion into the Bohemia, and then a lot of big projects around supplying M&B for big seasonal bids and things like that. And even back in my life in credit unions, I was working on big mergers and bringing in uh, new organizations and things. But I had a support team and we had weekly meetings, going through Gantt charts, uh, picking apart what needs to be done and reassessing and pivoting where needed. So, you know, uh, the right amount of people is really helpful uh, as, you know, too many is is just inefficient, but the right amount does a lot of good things. And I have less than the right amount of people uh, to pull this off smoothly. So yeah, it's uh, I, I've done stuff like this before, but to do it from scratch with nothing to start, growing something is one thing, uh, starting it from scratch is a whole different animal. But in doing so, White is grateful for all the help he's getting along the way. I've had Suzanne Curid, from Business of Drinks to kind of uh, help get me going and get the business plan together. I'm now working with Tosh Wolf from Crafty Beer Girls, et cetera, um, to kind of uh, get the crowdfunding rolling and press releases out and connect some of the dots around uh, getting getting things together right now. So having that extra set of hands is amazing. Senin, the owner of London Brewing Company, uh, has been there when I had any questions. And uh, yeah, just a, a lot of supportive people from the London Brewers Alliance, everyone at uh, Hammerton and Two Tribes, the guys at the Rosen Crown, in uh, Kentish Town. So uh, it's, yeah, there are, you know, there's been a lot of people to bounce things off of, get feedback, ask about things that I'm not an expert in, like uh, licensing or working in certain parts of the uh, hospitality industry. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, I I don't want to say, oh, poor me, I've been all on my own. Such as White's drive to make werewolf beer a reality you get the impression he'd work 24-7 to ensure it happens. But why was now the right time for him to go out on his own? A, a big part of it is age and moving to London. So I've, you know, I, I've always been part of a team. Um, I've had dreams to do this. 
and to kind of be uh, when I when I started the concept approaching 40 and having a clean slate of moving to a new country without some of the issues that arise from being uh, an entrepreneur or an unemployed person in the U.S. <coughs> healthcare, <coughs> uh, London and the U.K. Uh, opened a lot up for me. So after kind of understanding what went on to some extent at London Brewing Company uh, and having a really good experience creating new things there, it was really time to, to do it on my own. I'm not always the best uh, employee, but I'd like to think I'm a pretty reasonable people manager. Um, so the the next thing was to get work-life balance that was was for me. And part of that is uh, being my own boss and trying to get a business that's that's close to me that works with my schedule and is kind of the right amount of work and grows organically. So I'm not going, oh God, I've I've taken on too much or I'm I'm doing too much work. Um, which sadly I think probably starting my own business uh, was a silly way to try and do that. But it uh, in certain ways it is it is working in that direction. And with werewolf beer, wine has a way to express himself in a number of exciting ways. I, I found out more. It's been a it's been a journey, not to sound like a self-help book, but uh, coming out of of years of work in in brewing and a lot of kind of a lot of life changes all at once. Uh, we spoke before about me having burnout issues, kind of the brewing industry being a bit relentless on top of, you know, just being a, a wage wage earner anyway. And so I've had to do a lot of work on myself to make to make werewolf beer uh, even close to happen. One of the things working with a business coach that's a dear friend of mine uh, was that I'm probably a bit of a repressed creative, which sounds like, oh, you know, we all have a creative side. Um, but I honestly went to university for art. All I did between age three and 20 was draw and paint and sculpt and make things and dreamed about publishing my own comic books and writing. And I had a lot of setbacks at the end of university and kind of went into uh, retail and, and banking and things. And brewing is, is very creative, but I, I think I wanted something more and wanted to express myself in in a way that is a bit more connected and a bit more visible and visual. Um, and so that is now coming out in very healthy ways that are propelling the werewolf beer story forward. And for White to start making his own beer in-house, he unsurprisingly needed his own kit. When I started this up, I kind of said, all right, I, I currently work for a brewery that sells this much beer, so I should be able to just start out doing at least that much and then reverse engineer the perfect setup to do that uh, with room for expansion. And so I started looking at really large premises and fully automated uh, brewing equipment that really, 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 really was out of my price range and had to have a bit of a heart to heart with myself uh, after a few months of looking at this stuff and going, you know what, uh, half a million pounds is not gonna happen anytime soon for brewing equipment. So really the uh, the good advice was just 
buy some used equipment. It's not about it's not about the bells and whistles. Um, you know what you've been brewing on before. Just get something around that and and go for it. So the kit from House Brewing uh, at the Prince in N22, they were, uh, I, I don't think they ever fully really endorsed the uh, getting the brewery side of it up and running. Uh, they run really good pubs and it was just much easier for them to move it out and use the space to sell food and, and drink. Um, so I got that for a very reasonable price and it's now sitting at my fabricator's shop down in Kent, waiting for waiting for a place to put it. With so many styles being brewed by breweries across the UK, White has sent out his stall early on when it comes to the beers he'll be producing. Every every brewer should probably start out with a pale ale, and uh, especially when you're testing a new piece of equipment. So my pilot kit, we brewed uh, Psycho Billy, which is our American pale ale. That. We, the first keg sold out in about half an hour. We, I put it on on a Wednesday night while things were not locked down and it flew out. Um, and then the next one was our Rye IPA uh, horror show. Unfortunately, that didn't sell out as quickly because we then uh, were in lockdown again. So um, it had to go out through, um, uh, through click and collect and, and take away and whatnot. The, the plan is kind of uh, the beers that I fell in love with when I started getting into craft beer in the early 2000s and going to things like uh, beer advocate festivals in Boston and brewery Amagang things uh, in Cooperstown, New York. Really the kind of, you know, classic American craft beers that are clear and balanced and bitter and have a really, really good mouthfeel. So the core range is the Psycho Billy Pale Ale, the Rye IPA Horror Show, a rice lager uh, called Moonstomp, Stray Cat, which is going to be uh, kind of a citrus session pale, and Creepster, which is an American brown, which um, another American brewer over here said basically that range sounds like every U.S. brew pub in the 90s, um, which I'm perfectly happy to be described as that feel. So good quality recipes that are I I know it's not trendy, but these are going to be accessible, clear beers that are closer to, you know, the mainstream available craft beers. We will do, uh, there will be experiments, there will be pilot beers. And really um, something that came up through discussions about branding is that I think visual impact and color is really important. So uh, I'm going to be looking at doing small batches of beers that are really focused on ingredients that... Uh, make really vibrant colors, uh, whether those uh, whether those be amazing reds and, and browns or blues and greens. So yeah, th th there'll always be something uh, going on in the tap room besides the, the core range. Support for this episode comes from Yakima Chief Hops. Yakima Chief Hops is a 100% farmer-owned hop supplier with a mission to connect the family farms of the Pacific Northwest with brewers across the globe. With a growing competitive market, YCH understands the need to continuously brew exceptional quality beers. 
This is why YCH is focused on developing innovative hot products and research-based resources that provide real solutions in the brew house and help brewers take their beers to the next level. Yakima Chief Hops works with breweries of all sizes across the globe, from home and nano brewers to craft and macro. To find out more about YCH, visit www.yakimachief.com. If things go to plan, then the Werewolf Beer Tap Room will have its own distinct feel. Obviously, I have friends that are into the same things that I'm into, and they've probably had to listen to me go on and on about werewolf beer concepts ad nauseum. And it's nice to know that people are listening because my friend Emily in Norwich sent me a message and said, I've found something I think you should see. And in Norwich, there is a, there's a street called Magdalen Street, which is just a rose of antique dealers and junk shops. Uh, and it's basically just a flea market, which is my favorite place in the world. So she sent me a picture of a front window full of neon colored skulls and mummies and monsters and said, this is for sale, contact the guy. So it's, it's called, I think, uh, Aladdin's Castle. Um, if I got that wrong, I apologize, Graham. But basically, yeah, Rainbow Park in Hunston had torn down their uh, haunted ghost train ride, and he'd gotten a hold of the train cars and all the panels and wall hangings and monsters from the inside of it. And my wife, Laura, decided that it was an excellent investment. And so, uh, yeah, I bought a whole bunch of train cars that look like giant skulls with rib cages and big scary spiders and vampires in coffins for the tap room. Where is it now? It's sitting in the barrel store in uh, Norwich uh, Camera Branch's warehouse since they're not really doing a beer festival at the moment. Um, we've worked something out. So thank you. Thank you, Camera Norfolk and everyone else that, that helped to make that happen. So uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I bought it. It's coming home to Camden uh, when we get opened, and I, I really, I really hope that it pays for itself because I probably the only impulse buy of this entire brewery process. And when it comes to welcoming patrons to the tap room, the idea of having it open anywhere other than Camden was non-negotiable. The selection of the location trumped everything, and I'm really glad that it seems to be working out because. Um, emotion, getting emotionally attached to uh, a property is bad when buying a house. It's bad when looking at commercial locations. We're basically, I, I was helping out for a bit at Hammerton Brewery, and I got really, really, really uh, excited about having a 14-minute walk to work. And uh, in, in my new world of work-life balance uh, and wellness and, and doing what's right for me as a human, that really, really spoke to me. So I started looking at Camden Town for that reason um, and found these rail arches that nobody had nobody had used for anything for quite a while. So um, if I walk quickly, it's a 12, it's a 12 minute walk. Um, if I run it, I could probably get there in about seven minutes. And we're, um, so we're across the street from Camden Road Overground, about five minutes from Camden Underground Station. Uh, another, it's a, I think a three minute walk to uh, the canal path for Regent's Canal. And the next big thing, which is again speculative, the Camden Highline project, which is this 
raised garden and green space that's going to go between Camden Locks and King's Cross uh, goes right over the top of us. So, yeah, uh, the, the location, look, the, the vibe of Camden, the proximity to home, and the, the transit links are, are what I needed um, the most. Um, and it seems, it seems like all these things are working out. For Werewolf Beer, however, the work continues behind the scenes, with White hoping to open sometime this summer. It looks like, based on uh, construction estimates, sometime between July and September. Um, unfortunately, the railway arch we're going to occupy has been derelict for a very long time and didn't have water or drains or three-phase electric or toilets. And uh, so basically, the contractors have to shut down a road uh, for whatever amount of time to run all these things into it and completely refurbish it. So this is in Camden Town, uh, in some arches across from uh, Camden Road Overground Station. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're waiting on mainly uh, things like UK power networks uh, for the whole project to proceed. And once we once we get in there, you know, maybe maybe a month or two to to get brewing and everything installed and sorted, and then hopefully get the tap room open. We've got the premises license, so Camden is happy for us to um, go in and have people on site uh, Friday evenings and all day Saturday. And yeah, we've also amended plans due to the challenges of COVID uh, to get a canning line in immediately. It'll be a small, fully automatic two-head because we're a small kit and it's going to be just me for quite a while so that we'll be able to sell for off-sales and through mail order and uh, through bottle shops as quickly as possible to future-proof us in case something happens where everything shuts down again. And to help bring canning in-house, Werewolf Beer is currently undertaking a crowdfunding campaign which runs until the 27th of April. So the... Aim of the crowdfunder is to help us get canning line in. Also, negotiations, uh, anybody that's that's worked with getting commercial property, uh, specifically in railway arches, will know that it's um, it, it takes a lot. And so I've got solicitor's fees and also a lot of additional construction and upgrades because the, the space is just a shell right now. So yeah, drainage refurbishing the site and yeah, uh, solicitors, consultants, it's uh, yeah, th that's kind of what we're, we're going for. So looking for 30,000 pounds, um, which will give us a good little bit to uh, float that and make sure we don't have too hard of a time getting open, stretching it to 45,000. And hopefully uh, we've got some, we've got some really good rewards that are gonna be dropping throughout the month. By this point, most of these should be up. We've got some dining and uh, mail away uh, home pizza kits from Lost Boys Pizza. We're going to have an American Werewolf in London uh, film location walking tour slash pub crawl, which should be, should be really interesting. Uh, stuffed uh, werewolf, we're calling them sculptures because we we can't sell them as toys, but uh, basically it's it's werewolf dolls that Laura is making that we're branding up for the brewery. 
got some artwork for an exclusive t-shirt by Alan Graves at Haunted Tattoo. And really, this is the big hairy goal. Um, I don't imagine there's going to be people listening to this and there's going to be thousands of people that are going to get mad if this doesn't happen. It's still up in the air. But uh, booking out the Prince Charles Cinema for the 40th anniversary of the release date of American Werewolf in London. So we're waiting to hear back from the distributors whether we can get the film or not and whether there's going to be any issues because the film studio wants to do a release. But yeah, uh, renting out the whole theater and uh, offering admission to that as a reward and having a really, really good night. One of the other odd things about that is the the beers that if, for anyone that hasn't seen it the whole thing starts off in the slaughtered lamb and the american tourists are in there there is uh there's beers on the bar in this pub and i haven't i should have contact with the brewer that made them and will hopefully be able to recreate uh, those beers for the anniversary why it is understandably raring to get brewing again. Till then, he knows he just has to wear many, many different hats to get things over the line. Basically, I, this week, uh, I had a I had a site visit. So I uh, saw the, the site manager and brought in a builder and uh, kind of planning how the drainage is going to go in. They haven't done anything yet. Um, they, they put a new uh, front on it. So it's got a roller shutter and a door and took out all the uh, junk lining and, and debris from 20 years ago. Um, and that's as far as they've gotten. We've been going rounds on installing the toilets and, and all this and that. Uh, so I've got maximum amount of space. So uh, drawing that up, working with the builders, um, I do like I do need to check some things with Camden planning just to make sure they understand what we're doing. It's already thrown some red flags because uh, people people in offices hear that there's going to be alcohol served, so they assume we're opening a pub and need to change all the licenses. And uh, as most small brewers in the city know, uh, that's that's not how that works. So getting that together, engaging with the community, contacting newspapers, we've still got, so I've got a logo, but I still have to get can designs, badge designs, marketing materials together, um, kind of start reconnecting with distributors and salespeople and pubs as they open because I'm really, really, really at square one living on LinkedIn a little bit right now. The Brewer's Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media. Produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan and Velo Mitrovic. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Rich White of Werewolf Beer.